Welcome back, Donuts. Welcome to another episode of Fried Dough, your weekly fix of true crime. I'm your girl, Gina. And before we jump into today's episode, I would like to remind listeners that the stories that I cover on this podcast may be difficult to hear. However, it is very important to shine a light on these cases and remember the victims who were affected. There's a documentary on Netflix called A Love Song for Latasha. This is a documentary about Latasha Harlings. And all I really want to say is you should check this documentary out. And if you decide to check it out, just make sure you have a box of tissue or something because it's really going to pull at your heartstrings. I dove into a tragic tale that not only shook the city of Los Angeles, but also ignited a larger conversation about racial tension, social justice, and the value of a young life lost too soon. On March 16, 1991, a 15-year-old African-American girl named Latasha Harlins entered a convenience store in South Central Los Angeles called Empire Liquor Market. What should have been a routine trip for a simple purchase turned into a devastating and heart-wrenching incident that would reverberate through the community for years to come. Natasha's story is one that reflects the complex intersection of race, economic disparity, and culture misunderstanding. Her death and the events that follow shed light on a deeper-rooted issue plaguing society, particularly the relationship between the Black and Korean American community in Los Angeles during the early 1990s. In this episode, we would journey through Latasha's life, exploring the circumstances that led to her tragic end, the trial that follows, and the impact her death had on the community and the city at large. We will also discuss the Los Angeles riots, which brought to a forefront the seething anger and frustration over racial injustice. As we unravel Latasha's story, I understand that it is very essential to approach this topic with empathy and understanding. I aim to honor her memory by shedding light on her life, the complexities to her case, and the important conversations that spark. So let's begin this journey through history and remember Latasha Harley, a young life lost but never forgot, and the profound lesson her case continued to teach us. This is Fried Doe, true crime podcast, and this is Justice for Latasha Harlins. Latasha Levon Harlins was born January 1st, 1976 in East St. Louis, Illinois to Crystal Harlins and Sylvester Acoff Sr. Latasha had one younger brother, Vester Acoff Jr., and one younger sister, Christina. The family moved from Illinois to South Central LA in 1981. In 1982, when Natasha was six years old, her father took a job in a steel foundry while her mother worked as a waitress in a local tavern. They lived near 89th Street and Broadway, just a few blocks from where Latasha would be killed 10 years later. Their unstable marriage ended in 1983. On November 27, 1985, Crystal was brutally shot outside a Los Angeles nightclub by Cara Mae Anderson, her father's new girlfriend. 
I can't even say anything about this simply because it's so infuriating to hear this and I don't want to get off topic. But all I want to say is, really? Now where you at? Now who got them? Leaving Latasha and her younger sisters in the care of their maternal grandmother, Ruth Harlins. Latasha held her mother to great esteem and loved her very dearly. Her best friend, Tybee O'Barr, who she saved from drowning the day they met, noted that she would often play with the older boys. Latasha was known as the neighborhood big sister. She would do her little sister's hair along with some of her friend's hair, and she would also walk her little brother, Vester, to his after-school program. At the time of her death in 1991, Latasha was a straight-A student at Westchester High School. She had a dream of becoming a lawyer and had a love for basketball and was able to hold her own with the big boys on the court. Latasha listened to Michael Jackson and BBD, and for those who don't know who BBD is, that's Belle Biff DeVoe from the spinoff group New Edition, and she also tried to do the moonwalk, the Michael Jackson moonwalk. Latasha also liked this song called Stand By Me. Her and her cousin Shanice would go to this restaurant every day. They would always have a quarter to put in this little jukebox, and they always chose this song, Stand By Me, every day. For starters, just FYI, this name is going to really challenge me through this story. Soon Jadu's store, Empire Liquor, was located at the intersection of West 91st Street and South Figueroa Street in Los Angeles and was normally staffed by Soon's husband and son. However, the morning of the shooting, Soon was working behind the counter and her husband was outside resting in the family van. Shortly before 10 a.m. on Saturday, March 16, 1991, Latasha entered the store. Soon observed Latasha putting a $1.79 bottle of orange juice in her backpack. Soon concluded Latasha was attempting to steal and did not see the money Latasha held in her hand. Soon claimed to have asked Latasha if she intended to pay for the orange juice, to which Soon claimed Latasha responded, What orange juice? Two eyewitnesses, a nine-year-old Ishmael Ali and his 13-year-old big sister Lakeisha Combs, disputed that claim, saying that Soon immediately accused Latasha of trying to steal, to which they claimed Latasha replied that she intended to pay for the orange juice. After speaking to the two eyewitnesses present and reviewing the videotape of the incident recorded by the store security camera, the police concluded that Latasha intended on paying for the beverage with the money in her hand. Over an orange juice, he said, well, at this point, it's all over the news. I can't hide that from you any longer because this is something where it's going to get out of hand, and it's going to get out of hand before anybody could get a real good hold on it. So as he's talking to me, it comes on TV. I'm sorry. And I saw it. <laughs> I never knew what terror was until I saw it. And they kept playing that video over and over. And I can only think to myself, I felt bad because I was like, I told her. 
Why didn't she listen? The videotape shows that Soon grabbed Latasha by the sweater and snatched her backpack. Latasha then struck Soon with her fist twice, knocking Soon to the ground. After Latasha backed away, Soon angrily threw a stool at her. Latasha then tried to flee the scene, but Soon reached under the counter, retrieved a revolver, and fired a shot at Latasha from behind at a distance of three feet, one meter. The gunshot struck Latasha in the back of the head, killing her instantly. Soon's husband, Billy, I can't even, I can't even, heard the gunshot and rushed into the store. After speaking to his wife, who asked for the whereabouts of Latasha before fainting, he dialed 911 to report the attempted holdup. Now she's the victim. And Latasha still had the $2 in her hand. This came 13 days after the Rodney King case. The Rodney King case was a pivotal moment in American history occurring in 1991 when Rodney King, an African-American man, was brutally beaten by Los Angeles police officers during a traffic stop. The incident was captured on video showing excessive use of force which led to a widespread outrage. The officer's subsequent acquittal sparked massive protests and riots in 1992, highlighting the issue of police brutality and racial tension and eventually leading to a federal intervention. And just a FYI, that is actually when everybody started wanting and attempting to record incidents that happened out in the public. So when Latasha Harlins, a young African-American girl, was tragically shot and killed in 1991, shortly after the Rodney King incident, her case highlighted racial tension and contributed to a larger backdrop of social unrest in Los Angeles at the time. There was an incident a few months prior where I went into the store with my mom. My mother had paid for some candy bars. And she said, okay, I'm gonna go back outside. I need you to go back in there and get your brother a candy bar. So I go back into the store. I had the bag, the receipt was in the bag. I get the candy and I have my head down because I'm, I'm counting my money. There was a hooker in the store. And she's like, uh-uh, uh-uh, don't, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Her mama outside, I'm gonna go get her mama, I'm gonna go get her mama. I look up, and the lady got the gun cocked. And I'm looking down this barrel. My mom runs into the store. And she said, uh-uh, she paid for this. Here's the receipt. Here's the money for this candy bar. Tybee, let's go. You tell your friends, do not come back to this store because this woman's going to kill somebody. This was something that we got used to. You get used to it. And what people don't realize is that wasn't the first time that lady tried to pull pull something on, on one of the kids in that neighborhood. And I remember telling Tasha a few days later, I said, yeah, my mom said don't go back to that store. You know, she pulled that gun out again, and Tasha was like, oh, you know, she always doing that, but she don't never, 
She never pulled the trigger. So I don't trip. She just do that to scare us. So I didn't think about it. Soon Ja Du testified on her own behalf, claiming that the shooting was in self-defense and that she believed that her life was in danger. But her testimony was contradicted by the statement of the two witnesses presented at the time, as well as the store's security camera video, which shows Soon shooting Latasha in the back of the head as she turned away from Soon and attempted to leave the store. The LAPD ballistics report also found that the, the handgun soon used was altered in such a way that it requires less pressure on the trigger to fire than ordinary handguns. Oh my God! On November 15, 1991, Adri found Soon's decision to fire the gun was fully within her control and that she fired the gun voluntarily. The jury found Soon guilty of voluntary manslaughter, an offense that carries the maximum prison time of 16 years. However, the trial judge, Joyce Carlins, sentenced Soon a five-year probation, 10-year suspended prison sentence, 400 hours of community service, and a payment of a $500 fine and Latasha's funeral costs. Judge Carlin suggested that there were mitigating circumstances in the killing of Latasha Harley. She stated, did Mrs. Du react inappropriately? Absolutely. But was the reaction understandable? I think it was. This is not the time for revenge. And no matter what sentence this court imposes, Mrs. Du will be punished every day for the rest of her life. The court also stated that soon Jadu shot Latasha Harley under extreme provocations and arrest and deemed it unlikely that Du would ever commit a serious crime again. Furthermore, Judge Joyce Carlin deemed that Du's capacity to act rationally in this situation was undermined by her experience with the past robberies. These are the times where I feel the need to say that that's why we have to get out and vote these people in office, on the benches, and everything. Because they'll do something like this. If we don't, anybody will get in there. Let's move on. Later, when the state appealed, it was unanimously upheld Judge Joyce Carlin's sentence decision 3-0 to zero on April 21, 1992, about a week after the L.A. riots. In July 1992, Latasha's brother and sister received $300,000 settlements from the civil suit brought against Soon Jadu, which was paid by the store's insurance policy. What did I tell y'all? And ultimately, her brother and sister had to split that, so basically it was just $150,000 a person. The incident and the reduced court sentence exacerbated the existing tension between African-American residents and the Korean-American merchants in South Central LA. Those tensions were later interpreted by some members of the public and activists as being one of the catalysts for the 1992 Los Angeles riots. I know that's right. 
Also, the Los Angeles Mayor's Office estimated that 65% of all businesses vandalized during the riots were Korean American. On August 17, 1991, while Soon Ja Du was awaiting trial, a small fire occurred in her store. During the 1992 riots, Du's store was looted and burned down. It never reopened. The property later became a market under a different ownership. Aha! After the widely publicized shooting of Latasha Harlings, relations between African-American and Korean-American communities continue to deteriorate rapidly, despite intervention from leaders of both communities. The time after the death of Latasha Harlings was characterized by boycotts, tension debates, bitterness, Molokov cocktails, and more convenience store murders. However, while more tension had increased because of the killing of Latasha Harlings, they had built an existing conflict between both communities. Latasha Shield, I am very reliable and trustworthy, honest. I like that I am confident about myself. I have a lot of talent and I know whatever I set my mind on something, I'm going to accomplish it. I show people that I care by giving what I have to people who actually need it. I also show I care by showing respect to all adults and ones my age and younger. I know I care. What I want most in life is to fulfill my goal to be an attorney. And also to graduate from high school with an almost perfect GTA to go to college. The most important thing to me is my family is always protected by a shield so they won't be torn by dangerous, ruthless, uncaring people. Latasha Harlins, February the 6th, 1991. In 1998, the California State Assembly named April 29th as Latasha Harlins Day. In, to, in the early 2021, a mural celebrating Latasha Harling was unveiled in front of Algin Sutton Recreation Center. The mural was created by visual arts Victoria Casanova. Latasha Harlins was buried right next to her mother in Paradise Memorial, Santa Fe Springs, California. I really do hope that I approach this topic with sensitivity and empathy, considering the impact of Latasha's story on her family, friends, and the community. I understand that it is very essential to handle such a sensitive topic with care and respect while shedding light on a broader societal issue it represents. So, Donuts, I feel that I have the responsibility to say that violence isn't the answer. It's not the way. But those out there who actually know me will pretty much call me on my shit so I'm going to just stay away from that. But we have to really think. If we damage the property, it is fully insured for more than what it's probably worth. And with that, you can be doing the owner a favor. What we need to do is stand together. Stand together and boycott these businesses who are doing this to our people. We are their money source. They're making money out of us. If literally no one, zero individuals from the neighborhood went into their store, their store would make no money. I mean, think about it. Ain't nobody traveling to these stores. And if there are, that money is not going to subsidize for the money that they're making from the neighborhood. All 
we have to do is stand together and find other resources to get our junk food. Just as they did in the 60s when they did that boycott. They are all about the dollars. That's why they're opening up their businesses in our neighborhoods. They depend on us for their livelihood. We have the power. We just got to stand together. And I'm pretty sure that when we stand together, we will have our brown brothers and sisters stand with us as well. And I am confident enough to say that some of our vanilla brothers and sisters will stand along with us. We just got to start the work. And even if they didn't, now you know who you're dealing with. And this is our thing. Moving on. Latasha Harlan's tragic story stands as a haunting reminder of the injustice faced by marginalized communities and the profound impact of racial tension. Her life has been cut short at a tender age, leaving an indelible mark on her family and friends and the broader community. The case of Latasha Harley ignites a firestorm of enraged and highlights the deep-rooted issue of inequality, racial bias, and, and economic disparities in society. The leniency on Soon John Du sentencing struck a nerve, furthering straining already tense relations between Black and Korean American communities in Los Angeles. Latasha's death serves as a painful precursor to the Los Angeles riots that erupted after the Rodney King verdict. The riots struck the nation and brought the issue of police brutality, systematic racism, and social equality to the forefront of the public conscience. Her legacy endures through the pursuit of social change and justice. It serves as a stark reminder of the importance of acknowledging and confronting the injustice faced by marginalized communities. We must continue to strive for a more equitable and compassionate society where every individual is treated with dignity and fairness, irrespective of their race and background. As we remember Latasha Harding, let us be inspired to take action to challenge prejudice and discrimination and to work collectively towards building a more inclusive and harmonious future. By listening, learning, and emphasizing, we can be an agent of change in a world that desperately needs it. Thank you for joining me in the journey through Latasha Harling's life and the profile impact her story had on our society. Let us honor her memory by continuing to seek justice and equality for all. Today's missing is Jaden Palmer. He's 16 years old, a black male, brown eyes, 5'8", 180 pounds. Last seen May 22, 2023 in Akron, Ohio. If you have any information regarding the whereabouts of Jaden, please contact the Special Victims Unit at 614-525-3555 or you can contact Crime Stoppers at 614-645-4749 or visit the website at www.p3tips.com. Let's help bring Jaden home to his family. All right, Donuts, that's it for me today. Until next time. If you enjoyed this episode, hit the subscribe button so you will never miss an episode. If you have any insight on this case or any other case that I've covered, 
Or if you have any case suggestions, contact the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Or if you like, you can leave a 60-second message and that message might be on the next episode. All of the links are in the show notes. Until next time, Donut, please stay safe, stay vigilant, and please always, always, always trust your instincts, child. If you don't trust them, who do you trust? Front door live in the front row. The R word is alive in case you didn't know. Racism. Money makes the world go round. 99% are walking on a dangerous ground. The police are the landmines. I gotta watch my hands cause they know to take mines. Ain't no rewinding on your lifeline. Might as well spend your whole life blind.